Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever is going on everybody and welcome to the saturday afternoon edition of the stochastic nhl strategy show sponsored by bet 365 i'm your unbelievably good looking host josh harris um it's a great way to start the show joining me as always equally good looking pal some cliffy we're not matching today no no how you doing good i i, I was thinking of i had another black t-shirt that i was going to wear on the show today but um, I, I didn't want to risk the same thing happening again. So I was like, there's no way he's wearing a mustard yellow. So I got my, that, that's why I wore green. I was like, I had a black t-shirt. I was like, mm, you can't do three days in a row. <laughs> See, starting to get to know each other a little bit too well. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, another super warm day out. Like it's overcast, but it's 23 Celsius, which is like 74 Fahrenheit. Like walking around in shorts and a t-shirt, I'm not going to complain too, too much. Um, interesting slate last night. I ended up uh, cashing. You uh, kind of bubbled thanks to another stack correction. Those guys are going to be the death of you um, this season. I got there with um, Toffoli Hughes, Luke Hughes. That really didn't do a lot, but I had the Los Angeles top line that we talked about on yesterday's show. Um, they brought me to the promised land. Shout out Capo Kakinen, saving uh, 37, only letting in three against Carolina. Um, and shout out to uh, Mr. Goodman. Saul Goodman took down the $15 last night uh, for 20K. Um, he went with a Vancouver Josh stack, which is stacking uh, all your, um, six skaters from the same team. He had six skaters from Vancouver, and then he had a one-off uh, two-vote Teravine who got the hat trick last night, which was uh, obviously huge. So uh, big congrats to him. Um, I, I had a pretty bad, like, first 10 days of the season. Um, I don't think I cashed for, like, 10 straight slates. Um, starting to turn that ship around a little bit. So feeling feeling good, feeling ready. Uh, stoked for the seven-gamer. Yeah. Uh, we also had B. Houston in the chat. He turned 100 and a couple bucks into 2,600 and change. I think that's a great night for him. Mr. G actually won the 333, finished second and sixth in the 15. He got passed at the end. I, I don't know what passed him. Like that lineup was the nuts. So it, it warms my heart that he won with the Josh stack. He actually had a Tom Wilson lineup in first for a while. I was going to, you know, really give him some uh, ribbing there but yeah. i mean i i told you before the show i did that um because i had a three two one lineup last night and my one off was tom wilson and uh he got the shorthanded goal like i thought it was a great matchup for for that washington top line like we said stroman ovechkin uh playing well together um they did some damage so um yeah congrats to b Houston. congrats to mr goodman Hopefully we get to congratulate some more people uh, on Monday on the show. Um, really nice seven gamer we have here tonight. Yeah. Um, 
lost my train of thought. I was going to say something. Oh, how good does Marco Rossi look? I'm wondering, like, the thing, how long can they keep him on the third line is what I'm wondering. And, like, I get that they they want to leave Ryan Hartman. They want to leave Ryan Hartman next to Kaprizov. Uh, good forechecking guy, I guess. You know, you have Joel Erickson as kind of like the shutdown center. Like, it's, it's sort of like, where's he going to play? if he goes to the top six, but I don't know how you keep him down there playing with like, you know, the Godro Felino, you know, Duhame, uh Letieri guys. Like it, it, it seems like a colossal waste, especially when they're off to a pretty bad start this year. I have a proposition about that. What if they trade Dean- Montreal? I agree. <laughs> no, but <laughs> Dean Vason was singing his praises last night. Uh, so maybe he does move up. What if, they put Boldy between Kaprizov and Zuccarello. And then when Boldy comes back, run a Joe Erickson-Eck-Hartman-Boldy line and have Freddie Goudreau center the third line. Yeah, they could do something like that. Like, Boldy coming back will make a difference. I I honestly do wonder if they're going to use Erickson-Eck in, like, that firm shutdown role. Like, him, Goudreau, Felino on the third line. Then you can run, you know, Rossi, Boldy. Um, and Marcus Johansson or something in a, you know, in a sheltered role, especially when you're at home. Um, I do wonder if they're going to do that. We'll see when Boldy comes back. I think he's been skating or he's supposed to start skating early this week. So it shouldn't be too much longer before he's back. Yeah, we are Boldy slap or not Boldy. We are Rossi slappies here. We're also Boldy slappies, but we're heavily on the Rossi train. You got me on there. You were the original. Hey, everybody. You, well, you, want, you in the off season. Were in my messages telling me to bet Rossi for the Calder for like three straight months. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to get there, but at, at four, I think it was 40 to one or 50 to one at the time. I mean, I, the way he's looked, you'd take those odds right now for sure. Oh, absolutely. Let's, uh, we have a seven gamer. We should probably talk about it. Yeah. Uh, but before we do, remember, NBA season just started and you can get access to any stochastic NBA DFS package for 20% off when signing up with the promo code tip off. Uh, I think that I believe that ends today or tomorrow. So if you are thinking about NBA, you should probably sign up now considering there are NBA Sims and boy, howdy are the Sims easy to use and very easy to upload CSVs. If you know anything about me, I struggled mightily uploading CSVs last year and the year before uh, with the Sims. I have, I am undefeated with the NFL ones. I have yet to try out the NBA ones because I've been busy with hockey, but uh, on a day there is no hockey. I am definitely going to try out the NBA Sims. You can build up to 5,000 lineups in 60 seconds with our contest generator. The base package allows you to build up to 500 lineups and export up to 20. The max package allows you to build up to 5,000 lineups with unlimited exports. So again, you can use promo code tip off. You can use the link in the description. Today's the last day to get 20% off though. Let's get into this seven game slate Uh, for a Saturday slate, seven games. That is chef's kiss. These mid range size slates are beautiful. Detroit Red Wings with a 2.6 total heading into Boston. The Bruins have a 3.4 total. Let me pop up the lines here. Marshan didn't practice yesterday. I didn't see anything definitive on him on Twitter, but I would imagine he plays tonight in between, you know, with I don't know, man. Like, like he didn't he didn't practice yesterday, and they're expecting to get Dan Heinen back in the lineup. 
Um, and Dan Heinem was in his spot on the top line, and they put Jake DeBrusque back on the second line. Like, kind of think that might be what they're going with. I mean, obviously, we'll see at warmups. My, you know, me just reading the tea leaves is that I think Marshan might be out tonight, but like, we just don't know. Like, trust me, I've been searching through Twitter, I can't find anything. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And then another thing, like, if you're going to put DeBrusque on the second line, are you think they're going to do a little bit different line matching, like send that DeBrusque line out against Detroit one? No. no. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway. I mean, I mean, you know, they might, but I st- I suspect you'll still see that top line out a fair bit against Detroit one. Yeah, looking at Detroit one sample, it's pretty hilarious. That it uh, that lines up to like seventy five minutes. They have like three and change expected goals for, and like over seven actual goals. <laughs> this isn't the best matchup, and they're expensive on the road nineteen thousand two hundred. It's in one lineup. I'm I'm not going to get there. Uh, in MME, you want to be over the field. You're playing 20, 1 to 20. You're way over the field there. We'll have to wait and see on Boston lines. If Martian is in, that top line is 21,900. And it is a very good spot. But there are a ton of mid-range lines that I'm interested in uh, tonight. I don't know with the questions with Martian if I'm going to get to Boston despite the matchup in one lineup. In MME, I think you can you can get ready to fire. Because if it is Heinen... It's going to be a pretty low-owned combo for a Saturday. If Marshan's in, again, probably the same because they're going to be super expensive. I think it's worth highlighting. Detroit's second in the league so far this season. Like, you know, we're almost three weeks in now. Detroit's second in the league this season, this year in goals per game, and they have by far the lowest road total um, here tonight. The next closest team... Um, we'll talk about them at the end of the at the end of the show. Is Vegas at 3.0 and Detroit's at 2.6? Like that is a chasm between those two teams. And I think it speaks to two things. One, obviously, how good the Boston is defensively. Like, once again, you know, even without Patrice Bergeron, they're still one of the best defensive teams in the league. Like they have, you know, again, one of the best penalty kills uh in the league. Like their their shot attempts against and their expected goals against are right around, you know, top 10, if not inside the top 10. So I think it speaks to how good Boston is defensively. I think it also, you know, you kind of mentioned it, you know, over seven goals per 60 minutes for that top line. There's obviously regression coming. And the problem is, is like there hasn't been a lot in the Detroit depth to back it up. You know what I mean? And I think that's why you see them kind of mixing around their lines a bit. Like they put Valeno, Sprong and Rasmussen together. Outside the top line, those might be the, the three forwards that have played the best for them so far this season. Like, it hasn't been Cop, it hasn't been Comfort, it hasn't been Perron, it hasn't been Clean Costin, it hasn't been any of those guys. So, I think it's Detroit kind of realizing they need to get more from anything outside the top line. And another thing that worries me is ice time. Like, Detroit was down pretty much that entire game against Winnipeg when they lost 4-1 on Thursday. So Thursday or Tuesday, man. Um, they were down two nothing, like halfway through the first period, and the Brinkcast only played like eighteen minutes. Like that's obviously that's not terrible, but for a top line that's basically carrying this team right now, when they're losing and he's still only playing eighteen minutes, that worries me. And it's why, like, I'm not super high on Detroit tonight. You're seeing, um, like I said, you're seeing a low goal total. Like I'll bring up top stacks real quick. Um, you know, Detroit's coming in with no ownership, 0.6% ownership, five and a half percent top stack over on DraftKings. 
like that's obviously they're 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 playable because they're getting no ownership. So if you're playing in that, you know, the big five dollar, the big fifteen, or or whatever it is, you know, maybe and you're playing a lot of lineups, maybe you want to get a little bit of Detroit in. But if I'm playing single entry or three max or whatever, I just don't see the point. You know what I mean? Like Boston's still pretty good defensively. They're great on the PK, as I said, and bought and Detroit's making a lot of uh getting a lot of production out of their power play. So I'm out on the Red Wings. Boston's a little trickier because like Brad Martian not being on the top line really doesn't change how I view that top line. Like Brad Martian of 2023 is not Brad Martian of 2019. Like we kind of just have to face facts at, at a certain point. And like, that's why I'm like kind of digging Dan Heinen potentially coming in um, on that, on that top line. Like, Heinen might not seem like a great player or anything, but he's a guy that does everything well. Like he's a decent shot generator. He's a decent playmaker. He's decent defensively. Like he can help the team, can help that line in every single area. The problem is, is he's not in the DraftKings player pool. So if the Heinen, if Heinen comes out and he's on the top line at warmup, like you're not going to get him at low percentage because nobody's going to be able to play him. So not a kind of a loss of what to do with Boston. Like I really, really do like the top line. Uh, like I'm not worried about the Detroit matchup whatsoever. Um, you know, the Red Wings second line, like that cop, that cop comfort line. I was looking earlier. It's still over like 80 shot attempts against per 60 minutes. Like that's they're They're basically on a penalty kill. Whenever that line is on the ice. Like I just, I'm not, I'm not buying it. Like even the top line, which has been good defensively is basically league average. When you look at their expected goals against numbers, um, it's just tough to say play Boston one when we don't know what Boston one is. And a guy that might be on Boston one is not playable tonight. So um, I do like the Boston top guys. It's just a matter of what does that lineup look like? I'm not, I'm going to be honest. I kind of dig the second line a little bit. Um, you know, DeBrusque and Poitra and, and Morgan Geeky might see some time against the second and third lines from Detroit. Like I said, not a whole lot to write about there. I also noticed last game, Charlie Coyle was getting some top power play time over James Van Riemsdyk. Um, Charlie Coyle might make a nice one-off down there on the third line. But I do like Zaka and Pasternak. Like, they have been generating again this year 3.2 expected goals for. Like, I know Zaka's not racking up the points, but he's only gotten a point on 30% of the Bruins goals that have been scored with him on the ice. Like, last year, um, he was over 60%. He's usually over 60% year after year. So, he could easily have double the points he has right now with a little bit of regression luck. So, I do like the top line. It's just a matter of who's playing there because he might not actually be able to play the top line or the full top line tonight on DraftKings. I didn't even realize Heinen wasn't in the player pool. DraftKings dropping the ball with that early in the season. Usually you see that on FanDuel, but I don't know. There's What's his name? Ben Bishop is still in the player pool on DraftKings. You know, there's some... That's rough. Get your shit yeah, Ben Bishop. Love me some Ben Bishop. Let's move on to the next one. The New York Islanders with a 3.2 total heading into Columbus. The Blue Jackets have a 2.8 total. A lot of ownership in this game. Um, the top line for the Blue Jackets, Jenner, Gaudreau, Roslovic coming in right around their top two stack percentage. They're 16-8. The big ownership is on the Islanders' top and second lines. They're coming in uh, pretty heavily negative leverage, but not to a point where it's like, hmm, don't really want to play them against the Blue Jackets. Like you can get different. I the the thing is like 
the second line is much more negatively leveraged than the top line. And I have more interest in that top line anyway. Um, Torvat, Barzal, and Lee have, it's a small sample, but they have very good numbers together. It's not really surprising. Uh, you want to go to Nelson Palmer Engvall just because they're a cheap filler? Like, fine, but like, just know you're going to have to get different somewhere. There is some lineup questions for uh, Columbus. The coach was saying maybe he gets Ken Johnson back in the lineup, but he doesn't. He doesn't want to pull someone out of the lineup because there's only 20 spots, blah, 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 coach speak, whatever. But for me, my favorite line in this game is the Islanders' top line. You want to play Columbus because Sorokin is not at home and he's been a bit shaky. I think that's fine. But for $1,200 less, I'm going to the Islanders' top line. Yeah, I, I think the thing to note about Jack Rozovic being on the top line is he played over 20 minutes in that game against Montreal. Um, you know, the team is still pretty much splitting their power play units, kind of, and that's giving him some extra power play time on that second unit. So it's not a perfectly correlated top line, uh, but certainly playable uh, here tonight. Um, I did write them up in my picks article, uh, free for anyone to read over at uh, stochastic.com. Just head to the NHL section. You can read my picks article there. Um, one thing I, I mentioned is that the Islanders are typically a team that don't take a lot of penalties. That's kind of been the case for a few years now. This season, they're giving up four power plays per game. That's tied for sixth in the league. Um, that could give Columbus a lot of power play time. And the thing is, is they're 22nd. The Islanders are 22nd by shots allowed while on the penalty kill. So one thing we talked about, um, earlier in the season was that Ilya Sorokin was one of the best goalies while shorthanded in the league last year. So far this year, that has not been the case. It's kind of... Varlamov has confirmed. Oh, okay. And, um, I mean, that doesn't really make a difference for me um, in that as far as penalty kills go. Right. Um, I was just thinking it was kind of funny that Shesterkin kind of went through the same thing like two years ago. Um, He was great on the penalty kill, and then last year was bad. It just seems like one of those things that can kind of fluctuate. Uh, depending on you know the, how high the tides are and what phase the moon the moon is in, as, as all all things goaltenders. Um, but it could give Columbus a fair bit of power play time here, so I don't mind the top line of Jenner, Godro, and Rosvik. The other thing is, is like the Islanders' top line themselves has not been that great defensively. Um, they've been better with Lee there, but Barzal and Horvat, 3.4 expected goals against per 60 minutes. Sorokin's been bailing them out. Um, that's nothing new for an Islanders team, but that's a lot of uh, good shot quality to give up. So it's not a bad spot for Columbus 1. Don't mind them here tonight at all. Columbus 2, I'm a little bit less lukewarm on because it is one of those spots um, that's coming in with negative leverage. And the other thing is, is like they're going to run into that Islanders second line. And that Islanders second line is not as good defensively as they were last year, but still pretty good defensively. Um, I just don't think it's a great spot for that. So I think this is a situation where I would just be, it would, for me, it's top line in Columbus or, or, or nothing. Um, probably nothing. I don't think I'm going to be playing the Blue Jackets here tonight. On the Islanders side, I do like that top line because you have to figure it's going to, their shooting percentage is going to positive, positively regress at some point, right? Like um, with Barzal and 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 Horvat on the ice, like they're shooting six percent. Like that's got to go up. Like Hor- like Barzal's gone like five straight years with an on ice shooting percentage above eight percent. So like it has to go up. Like Horvat and Lee only have two goals on thirty six shots combined. Like that feels like something that's going to positively regress as well. Um, you know. 
Columbus's penalty kills really not a whole lot uh, to write home about. Like it's, you know, middle of the pack basically. So I think it's the top line I do like best. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a big Islander second line guy. We both are big uh, Islander second line guys. I just don't think tonight's the night for it. Like, I think the third line is playable, but I'm going to be honest. Like, I'm high on Oliver Wallstrom, but he has not looked good since returning from that knee injury. I'm wondering how long he even stays on that line. Like, Cal Clutterbuck and Casey Sasekis, like, both got more minutes than than that third line last game. So, um, for me, it's it's this is a game where uh, I'm either taking uh, the top lines or I'm not taking anything at all. Last thing I'll note here. Um, is the defenseman like we're going to talk about defenseman a little bit later, but the Islanders have basically gone to just like a four man rotation where <laughs> their top four defensemen are just playing like 24 to like 26 minutes a night, depending on which player it is, you know, maybe like 23 minutes or whatever. That's something that I think kind of plays to their benefit because their weaker defensive defensemen typically are the guys that play less minutes. Like this is a team that does stress defense first. So I'm wondering if, you know, the, Defense isn't kind of getting underrated a little bit because they are just playing the same guys over and over, and it's the forwards that aren't kind of causing the issues. But I think that's something that we'll have to see play out over the next 10 or 20 games. Like just for tonight, I think this is a spot where it's uh, both top lines are bust for me. Yeah, I agree. There, let's move on to the next one the Winnipeg Jets with a 3.3 total heading into Montreal. The Canadians have a 2.8 total. Played, uh, Winnipeg top line on Thursday, they let me down. They played good. They just didn't finish. Played well, I should say. Uh, they're 18,600 on the road. Uh, they're, they have some positive leverage here. I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the flow chart here. Um, I don't know if the flow chart is really in force this season because it's a little bit of a different team. But usually in really good matchups, they're a fade. In really bad matchups, they're a play. But they're not coming in super chalky, and this is they're fully correlated, and this is a very, very good power play spot. So I, I do really like Winnipeg top line. And I see there's positive leverage on the Montreal top line. And that kind of interests me as well because the Winnipeg Jets, there's nothing I really fear matchup-wise. Even if the Suzuki line is going out against the Shai, the Shifu line, like I it it doesn't scare me. Hellebuck scares me. So I, I do have interest in the Montreal top line as well. And they have a 2.8 total against Hellebuck. So, like, I know they're at home, but th- that's a pretty big total for Montreal. And it's probably – they're probably expecting some top line action there. The line I'm not interested in is the Ehlers line. Like, they're fine. They're 11,400. It's just they're coming in over-owned, and they're just not getting enough minutes for me. Yeah, I'll bring up top stacks again. Um over on FanDuel, the Winnipeg top line is – Pardon me? It's Brossois confirmed. Yeah, it is. Um, the Winnipeg top line on FanDuel is a little bit relatively less expensive. So they're coming in 16% ownership against 12% uh, top two stack. I think it's a little bit more of a question on that site where, you know, if they're projected at 16%, maybe they come in, in like closer to like 20% or something like that. And it's, you know, do you want to play a 20% Winnipeg line on the road? I mean, certainly playable. Like you mentioned how good of a power play matchup it is. It's for two reasons. One, it's the sheer number of penalties Montreal is taking. Like they're tied with Anaheim for most uh, power play opportunities given to the opponent per game at like, I think it's 5.3 now. And that's obviously abysmal. Uh, 
even worse is that the Montreal penalty kill is not very good. And that's why I did write up uh, the Winnipeg top line uh, in the picks article today. Um, one of six lines in the top stacks tool uh, with at least a 14% chance of being a top two stack, um, but coming in with lower ownership um, than some of the other lines that we have up there. And the Montreal penalty kill has just been absolutely, it's just been bad. It's like, not only are they taking a lot of penalties, but they can't call off the ones that they're taking. I think they're up to 10 power play goals allowed in seven games. Like that's absolutely horrific. Like it's not going to persist. Like eventually some of the percentages are going to even out, you know, power plays always start up. Um, there are always power or more power plays earlier in the season than there are, you know, in like February or March. Um, but that's just absolutely horrific penalty killing and perfectly correlated on the top line. The power play itself has been perfectly fine. Like Winnipeg one is one of my favorite top lines on this entire slate. I do wonder if they don't come in a little bit higher owned um, just because they are, you get that perfect correlation, right? Like if you look at the other lines on the road, like you don't even get perfect correlation with Detroit. You don't get it um, with the Islanders. You don't get it with Toronto. You do get it with Ottawa, and we'll get to them in a second. Or no, I actually don't anymore um, since they went back to their uh, kind of their old lines at, at morning skate today. Um, you don't get it with the Rangers, and you don't get it with Vegas. Like, this is the only road top line that is perfectly correlated. So I'm wondering if they come in a little like high, a little bit higher than 12%. That's something to keep in mind. But um, somebody talked about in our Discord was asking about Kyle Connor earlier today. Like he's not shooting as much on the power plays he normally does, but still really good. Like in the top third of regular power play forwards in the league, and he's shooting more of five on five, which um, that's kind of a big one for me because Montreal does give up at five on five as well. Um, like the top line for the Habs has not been great defensively. Three point two expected goals against with Harvey Pinard there. Not that much better with it with him not there. Um, so it's really it's really a case where I think it's a good matchup at all strengths for Winnipeg. This is also kind of like a blood feud. I know it might seem like a long time ago now, but back in the bubble playoffs, Mark Scheifele absolutely obliterated Jake uh, Evans. Yeah, that was a monster. Yeah, Jake Evans was wrapping the puck around, and he was kind of standing there with his head down, and Scheifele just just charging from the neutral zone and just just destroyed him. There haven't been there hasn't been a lot like that lately, but I always with Montreal taking penalties the way that they are, it, I'll, I always have that in the back of my head when these two teams match up. So I really do love Winnipeg one here. Winnipeg two is kind of interesting, and uh, like they aren't getting minutes. Like let's be very clear about that. I think Cole Perfetti was at like ten and a half minutes in the last game. It's like like, a lot. Just move him to the wing and. It, and it's, it's the thing is he's not playing poorly, right? Yeah. That's the frustrating part. Is like I've watched a couple Winnipeg games. Obviously, I can't watch every single game. I've watched a couple Winnipeg games. The line looked fine when they were on the ice. You look at the numbers, the numbers are great. And 10, 10 minutes and 40 seconds in the last game for Perfidi. And even Ehlers was under 14 minutes, and he's getting top power play time. So the minutes are a big concern, but the matchup against Montreal's second line is one that really, really favors the Winnipeg second line. Because Perfidi and Nemestikov, in, or just Perfidi and Ehlers, sorry, so far this season, 3.1 expected goals for, 3.2 actual goals for per 60 minutes, only 1.6 expected goals against. Like, they're carrying over 60% of the expected goal share. 
The Montreal second line, 3.6 expected goals against per 60 minutes with Newhook and Slavkovsky on the ice. They are generating, like the Montreal second second line is generating quite a bit offensively, but they are giving up a lot defensively. And it's one of those cases where I don't think that Winnipeg second line needs 15 minutes or 16 minutes to really hit value. Like they're only 11,400 and it's because they aren't playing a ton of minutes. Like even one perfectly correlated goal with a bunch of shots from Ehlers and it's like, okay, like two and you're absolutely laughing. They're coming in over owned. It might be a case where I'd be more inclined to like one-off Ehlers or just like duo Ehlers and Perfidi or something like that. But I do think Winnipeg 2 is in a pretty good matchup here. Um, but Winnipeg 1 is my favorite line um, in this entire game for sure. Like there is a reason why I wrote them up uh, in the picks article. You mentioned the Montreal top line not coming with a lot of ownership. I did write up Raphael Harvey-Pinard um, in that picks article. I did mention how they all, they generate more volume when he's on the top line than when he's not. Um, and volume is a big thing, especially for this Montreal team that struggles to generate volume at times. Um, they're not that expensive, 15,400. It's not a bad power play spot for them either. Like Montreal takes a lot of penalties amongst the, most in the league. Winnipeg's above average by taking penalties as well. They're giving up almost four power plays per game to the opponent. Um, Montreal power play came alive, has come alive over the last couple of games. Thank you, Mike Matheson. Um, the Winnipeg penalty kill has been pretty good, but you know, if you get four or five cracks at it, all you need is one to go in. Right. Um, so I do kind of like the Montreal top line as well here. Um, I'm less keen on the third line now that they've moved Josh Anderson to the top power play. Cause he used to get Monaghan and Tanner Pearson on the top power play. That's not the case anymore, but the line's still fine. Like Brendan Gallagher's kind of looked at his old self. Like he's shooting a lot. Again, he's over 20 shot attempts per 60 minutes alone. So if you want a two man, like, Pearson and Gallagher for a pair of winger stack or something like that. I think that's fine. But it's both top lines that I really like in this game. I honestly don't mind dipping down to Winnipeg 2 for a two-man stack um, as well. Just I just think it's a tremendous matchup against that Montreal second line. Yeah, this this is a big game on the slate. Chris has a good point. He says, I think Dubois took some of that flowchart vibe. So did Wheeler. Um, Wheeler. Uh, yeah, we're still calibrating. I, I, I mean, I think the other thing is, is like, other than Josh Morrissey, name me a good defenseman in Winnipeg, right? The one that doesn't play. What's his name? <laughs> like, uh, unfortunately, it's probably Billy Hainola and he's in the yeah, AHL and he's injured. Um, yeah. But like, you know, uh, Nate Schmidt is not the guy he was five years ago. Brendan Dillon's fallen off. Um, you know, Sandberg, Stanley, like all these guys. Neil Pionk is certainly... You know, they're playing Neil Pion 23 minutes because somebody has to play those minutes. You know what I mean? I think that's a big problem in Winnipeg, too. But, you know, I still love the top line because of the power play matchup. Biggest problem in Winnipeg is their, their donkey head coach. But that's for another time. Hey, easy. Sign up in the link in the description box. He, he sucks. Man, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's <laughs> in the hospital with his wife. I hope his wife is doing well. Bad head coach. Sign up using the link in the description box below to get access to the best NHL data and tools in the industry. You get access to player and ownership projections, top stacks tools, line combinations, and the most invaluable thing of all, the Discord. Lots of good stuff going down in there. Um, yeah. So I don't know why you haven't decided to go premium yet, but you should by clicking the link in the description below. Pop in the Discord, say it came from the show. It helps us out a lot. And uh, we'll uh, give you a nice little warm welcome. No chill from Josh. Yeah, I mean, listen, 
should also like I'm not I don't want to bring that back up. Um, should also mention um, Joel Armia is back in the lineup. Uh, Jesse Ulonen's coming out or Ulonen, sorry. Um, that's probably just going to be a fourth line swap, but I'm wondering if it might not change around the third line. <laughs> something to pay attention to for Montreal. No chill. Yeah, I'll just say like I'm in the hospital with my son a lot. I'm still the ass that I am now. All right. But poor. I, I do feel bad for that. It just you know has nothing to do with his coaching ability. Toronto Maple Leafs with a 3.4 total heading into Nashville. The Perditors, the Perds, the Preds. They have a three total. I don't know what I was going for there. Um, we were talking about this game for a good couple minutes before the show. Um, and I'll, I'll let you get to the Toronto line that you like. We have interest in Toronto here. Uh, it's just it's probably not the line you expect. We we also don't know what the top line for Nashville is going to be. It's going to be Forsberg and O'Reilly, but like there's a revolving door on O'Reilly's right wing through the game last time, so it remains to be seen there. Um, Liam Foudy is going to be in the lineup. There's going to be someone else in the lineup. Tomasino is back in the lineup. So, like, outside of O'Reilly and Forsberg being together and Novak Evangelista Sherwood probably being together, we don't know who's going to be the first line winger for Nashville. But I I do have interest in an O'Reilly-Forsberg two-man anyway. Like, I don't know. Like, Matthews, Marner, Yonkroc are decent defensively. But, like... (sighs) It, again, like this this approach on the blue line for the, the Leafs really hasn't worked out. O'Reilly Forsberg have been very good this year. Their goal, uh, the Toronto goaltending isn't great. I do have some interest in Nashville, but for me, this is a Toronto game and not the line you expect. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Toronto goaltending because they're starting Samson off, and Samson off's just been terrible to start this well, year. Yeah, they're well, the re- so much better. Yeah, there's a reason why why Wall started. I think it was three games in a row, at least two. Um, this is kind of like a get right game, I suppose, for um, Samsonov. And one of those, like, if he has another, if he gets blown up again, he might not be back in the net for a while. So there's a little bit of pressure on him here tonight. Um, yeah, it's the Toronto second line that I was um, looking at. Nylander, Tavares. Um, and Tyler Bertuzzi, Nylander was the guy I wrote up um, in the top winger that I wrote up in the picks article today. He's up to 20 minutes a game. Um, he was at 1830 last year. So he's getting an extra 90 seconds per game. Um, three and a half shot or almost four shots per game. Sorry. Uh, the line is scoring 4.2 goals per 60 minutes at five on five, which is like, that's like Dallas one territory uh, for scoring. And they're doing it shooting under 11%, which is one of those things that's like, if they shoot 10.7% for the entire year, that's perfectly reasonable for a line of that caliber. They're just generating a lot of offense. And the top line really isn't. Like Matthews and Marner this year are a shade under three expected goals per 60 minutes of five on five. And that's almost unfathomable for that line. They, they've been at like 3.3, 3.4, 3.6 going back at least a couple years now. Um, one thing you and I talked about is whether or not Mitch Marner's playing injured. I slag the NHL's uh, tracking metrics a lot, but this is where the NHL's tracking metrics help. Um, I noticed um, I, somebody I follow on Blue Sky, he used to write for Sportsnet up here in Canada. He was going through some 
of the Leafs metrics. And Mitch Marner's skating metrics, as um, quantified by top speed, um, you know, uh, speed burst, things of those that nature, have like fallen off a cliff compared to last year. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To the point where he's in the bottom 50% of a lot of the skating metrics that they follow, and that is not... Mitch Marner. He is a really gifted skater. And if you look back at prior seasons, you can see how strong he's been. And it's not just a small sample size issue either, because Nylander and Matthews have pretty much the same, um, pretty much the same skating metrics they have for a couple of years now. It's just Marner that's fallen off. And when you look at the bad, bad offensive, you know, bad shot generation, really like it's a weird thing where Matthews has seven goals in seven games, but the top line really hasn't been generating a lot. Like it's really just Matthews like finishing incredibly well as he typically does. Um, so it's scaring me away from Toronto one here tonight. Like I don't really have a ton of interest on them. Like they're coming in eight and a half percent ownership. And I think it's interesting to note. I'll bring up top stacks here. The top two Toronto lines on DraftKings have virtually identical top two stack percentages. And that's something you rarely see just because of how good Matthews and Marner usually are. So Matthews and Marner are going to get that McDonough-Carrier pairing uh, from Nashville, which has been tremendous so far this season. Marner may be playing hurt. may not be. I mean, maybe we're just reading something wrong. Maybe he's, you know, playing a different way. But I should also note he's had it at a career-low shooting rate as well, uh, on a, like on a per-minute basis. So career-low shooting rate, uh, three-year low expected goals rate, Skating metrics are falling off. It's like it's like that dumb and dumber scene. Like you're waiting for the for the parrot's head to fall off as well. Um, I'm out on Toronto one. I'm in on Toronto two. Nylander, Tavares, and Bertuzzi. You still get two out of the three guys on the top power play unit. Um, that line has been really really good. As I mentioned, they're going to get the depth uh, from Nashville, and I'm not worried about their second and third lines. I'm not worried about their second and third pairs, especially with Tomasino back in the lineup because he had not been very. He had been dragging down uh, his line defensively through the first few games of the season. So I really do like Toronto too here tonight on the Nashville side. Like it's hard to say what exactly to play because they are bringing in two forwards into the lineup. Who knows where they go? I assume it means Fagamo and Mike McCarron um, are both going to sit based on the ice time that they played last game, but we're going to have to find out. Like, I don't mind Novak, Evangelista, and Sherwood because they might get some of the bottom, those juicy bottom six matchups against against Toronto. They're coming in a little bit over on. They might be um, 
they might be overowned here tonight uh, per our top stacks tool. I think it'd be a case where I'd be more inclined to like one off Evangelista or one off Novak or something like that than I would to stack them as a line, if that makes sense. I think Nashville wants certainly in play here tonight, especially, you know, if they're matching up against a Toronto top line that's not playing up to snuff and they're getting Samson off, who's looked absolutely horrific to start this season. I don't know if I would get there, if I'm going to get there in my single entry. If I was 20 maxing, I would certainly have a little bit of Nashville one here tonight. Um, but it is the Toronto second line I like most in this game. So. Yeah, I guess you could turn it into a power play stack, like leave off Bertuzzi and add in a Matthews if you wanted to. I mean, it's a good power play matchup. So you can do that. I'm on the Toronto two boat as well. Before we move on, we have a... $10 super chat from Dr. ATX. Thank you very much. Longtime viewer. Thanks, gents. Thank you for tuning in. Um, if you're a longtime viewer, we have to be doing something right. Uh, I know we're, you know, we give our best thoughts towards the game. We're wronger, we're wrong more than we're right. But if you can retain something and win money off of it, makes us happy. Yeah. I'm still I'm still a, a grouchy person, but like it makes me feel good inside. <laughs> It makes Josh feel better for about four minutes, and then he's right back to being grouchy. Back into the trash can I go. Um, let's move on to the next one. This is a fun game. Ottawa Senators with a 3.2 total heading into Pittsburgh. The Penguins have a 3.6 total. Uh, yeah, so the, the Senators finished their last game with different lines, but at morning skate this morning, they were back to Stutzla, Kachuk, Giroux, Norris, Batherson, Tarasenko. So that makes me a little bit nervous because they finished the game last game. I think it was what Kachuk, Norris and Batherson and then something like that. Yeah. I, I guess they're going to start with Stutzla, Kachuk, Giroux. And that's fine. It's a pretty good matchup. Like, it's not like an elite matchup or anything, but Pittsburgh, they've been good. But again, they're they're not a juggernaut by any means. And then on the flip side, the highest owned projected owned line of the night is Pittsburgh one for good reason. Um, the Senators blue line is a mess. Hopefully Brandstrom's okay. That hit was nasty and he was seizing on the ice. Um yeah, and Shane Pinto, you know, going full Pete Rose. You never go full Pete Rose, but yeah, we'll see him later. But I, I get the ownership on Pittsburgh one here, and it's a really good matchup. It's a really good power play matchup. It's a good five-on-five -five matchup. It's just like since the end of – or not the end, like the middle of last year, the Pittsburgh – uh, power play has been a bag of crap. So, like, I, I think I'd just rather play the sense here and hope the lines stick together. Yeah, I think the other thing to note, too, about Pittsburgh is they're drawing by far the fewest power plays in the league so far this season. They're at 2.6 power play opportunities per game. No other team in the league is below threes. And there's a whole bunch of teams between like three and 3.4. Like there's like 10 teams between three and 3.4. 
And then there's Pittsburgh at 2.6. Like they are a distant last in power play opportunities per game, which is almost a good thing. I think (laughs) considering how bad that power play is, like it might work out for them on a goal differential basis just to keep playing at five on five. Um, Now, the other thing to note is um, Ottawa is drawing um, a ton of power plays so far this game. In fact, as Pittsburgh is the only team below two point or three point oh power play opportunities per game, Ottawa is the only team at five or above. They're sitting right at five power play opportunities um, every game so far this season. Now the Pittsburgh Penguins don't take a lot of penalties, but I think they're at like three point two time shorthanded per game, which is below average. But it's not like it's not like Vegas or St. Louis at you know at a clear distance last in the league. Like they're kind of clumped in in that in that middle where you know one or two power plays difference would. Um, really change their numbers at this stage of the season. So it's not a bad power play matchup for Ottawa, I don't think. Um, you know, Ottawa certainly does make hay on uh, on their power play. That's where a lot of guys um, do rack up their production. Uh, you know, Stutzla alone, you know, four of his six assists already this season are power play assists, you know, just to kind of highlight how important that man advantage production is. And, you know, Stutzlick and Chuck Giroux have been good again this year. Um, you know, great over a large sample, 3.6 goals per 60 minutes. Good again this year. You know, breaking up the lines, I think, was more about um, getting everybody else uh, kind of going. It surprised me to see them break up the ridley Greek vladimir tarasenko duo because they had been pretty good together. And I was kind of, I was actually looking forward to playing them here tonight because they would probably would have gotten a lot of that Pittsburgh bottom six matchups. And those would have been great matchups for Grieg and Tarasenko. But um, we're not going to get that. Uh, it looks like um, because they have moved Tarasenko up to the second line with Norris and Batherson. That's an interesting line combination for me. Um, Cause like, I'm wondering who's going to pass the puck on that line. Like Tarasenko is not, like he's a good playmaker. He's certainly not great. Um, the, Josh Norris is not a playmaker at all. And Batherson is another like fine playmaker, but not great. So I'm wondering like how they're going to move the puck around, especially with all the injuries on the blue line. Like, you know, half the defensemen playing tonight for Ottawa are not their regular defensemen because they're missing Shabbat, because they're missing Zoop, because they're missing Branstrom. So, I kind of do like that Ottawa second line. I just don't think this is necessarily a good spot for them at five on five. So for Ottawa, I would just go to the top line. I would just play Stusa, Kachuk, and Giroux. You know, if you want to take Giroux off and put somebody like Norris or Batherson in instead to make it a power play stack, I think that's fine. I do think if if Ottawa puts up, you know, a, a good DFS score, they score four or five goals here tonight, it's going to be because the power play, you know, tears apart the Penguins. Um, if you know, Ottawa only gets like one or two goals. I think a lot of it will be because they, you know, don't get anything going on the man advantage. So where you're probably going to get Ottawa at fairly low ownership, I do like the top line in this matchup here tonight. Um, the Pittsburgh top line has not been that good defensively so far to start this season. 3.2 expected goals against, 4.2 actual goals against for 60 minutes of 5-on-5. Five five. Now, they do use Malkin uh, sometimes in a shutdown matchup, but Crosby still does see quite a bit um, of top line matching. So, I think it's Ottawa's top line that I like best in this game. I'm with you. Like, I get the Pittsburgh ownership, but 15.5% 
and they might only get like two or three power plays. Like, can they, if they don't score on the power play, can they really get there all at five on five? I, I mean, it's Ottawa, so I guess so. Um, yes. um, but I don't, <laughs> at that ownership, I don't think I'd be willing, you know, to kind of find that out. Like, I think I'd rather just go play Boston. You know what I mean? Um, rather than play Pittsburgh at a similar price. Like, I think I'd rather just go play Winnipeg rather than Pittsburgh um, at a similar price. So, I think there are just other spots that I'd rather go play than the Pittsburgh top line here. They're certainly fine. Don't get me wrong. It's not like it's a bad spot or an awful spot or anything like that. I think they're certainly fine. I had Brian Rust in my picks article because he's up on the top power play unit now. But um, I think this is an Ottawa game for me and not a Pittsburgh game. Yeah. Well, also, uh, let me ask you something, though. Like, would this possibly be a game where you'd want a game stack? I was actually just going to bring that up because Malkin and and Riley Smith have been unbelievable together to start this season, and I'd probably use that duo if I was playing Pittsburgh. I think you can do some sort of Ottawa power play stack and then put in Malkin and Smith if it fits. I haven't really messed with pricing and lineups and that kind of stuff, but like seven-game slate, game stacking is viable. You're on the edge of Josh stacking. That's more five or less. But like, yeah, you can you can definitely game stack this game. It is one of the higher totals on the slate. They're it's a it's pushing a seven over under. So I yeah. mean, like, they're expecting goals. Yeah, it's it's. I think this is the only no Toronto Nashville is also six and a half, but they're the only two six and a half games on the slate. I think so. Might not be a bad spot for it. Yeah. As we mentioned on the top of the show, we are sponsored by Bet365 and get $5 or when you bet $5, you can get $150 in bonus bets from in Kentucky, Ohio, New Jersey, Virginia, Iowa, and Colorado. I'm not, I don't think that Kentucky promo is still valid. If it is, today's the last day to get, you know, bet $1, get $365. You can click the link in the description below, sign up. For Bet365, you have to deposit at least $10. You bet five of it, and you'll get $150 in bonus bets. You have to be 21 plus, unless you're in Kentucky. You have to be 18. And if you or anyone else you know have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. New York Rangers, 3.3 total. Heading into Vancouver, the Canucks have a 2.8 total. I know NHL math doesn't really work out, but like the Blues shut out the Flames, and then the Canucks shut out the Blues. So it's so facto the Blues and the Flames are just awful teams. I guess that's not really <laughs> yeah, like, I'm pretty sure that's just fact at this point. <laughs> oh, NHL math. Checks out. But um, Vancouver on the back end of a back-to-back. They are at home. Uh, Demko shot out the Blues last night. It's going to be Casey DeSmith and Nett, who actually hasn't been awful to start this year, but this is an interesting one because the top line let down for the Rangers let me down the other night. But again, like their expected numbers are really good. They've they haven't been able to finish in a year and a half. It seems like eventually, gotta inhale that copium. the The dam is gonna break. That being said, like. They're going to go up against the Miller-Besser line, which isn't great defensively, but the Hughes-Hronic pairing has been really good defensively. And then you get to the 
second line, which means they're going to go out against the Pedersen uh, soup line, which has been really good defensively, but their Vancouver's second pair has not been very good defensively. It's like I'm kind of in a conundrum here because I, I really like the Rangers. They have a high road total, 3.3. It's the highest on the slate uh, besides Toronto, and they're tied with Winnipeg. They have a higher total than Ottawa. I'm kind of in a conundrum here. I, I don't know if I really want to play much, if anything, on the Vancouver side in one lineup. It's gonna, it's most likely going to be Shesterkin, even though Quick has been out of his mind to start the season, which is weird to say. Um, I think, if anything, I'm going to the Hedo Panarin Lafreniere line. They just look the best five on five. The eye test, the numbers back it up. This is a good power play spot, though, so get Kreider in there or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, it is interesting looking at the Vancouver defenseman because they have two pairings that have played 50 minutes together and Hughes and Hronick are at a 58% shot attempt share and Ian Cole and Tyler Myers are at 38% <laughs> shot attempt share. But, you know, they broke up. I think the big thing is they broke up that Cole and Myers pairing. Cole's playing with Mark Friedman and they had a pretty big game last, pretty good game last night. But I mean, Pretty good game against the St. Louis Blues. Like, that's nothing to brag about. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I do like the I do like the Rangers top line here tonight. I agree with you. It is a tough matchup going up against a Hughes-Hronic pairing. But it's the Vancouver penalty kill, right? Um, one thing I mentioned, um, I think it was on yesterday's show, that Vancouver is giving up a lot on the penalty kill. They're still giving up the most shots against per minute of any team in the league on the penalty kill they're but they're getting not a 900 save percentage on the penalty kill, which would have led the league last year. So this is either going to be the best goaltending performance in the NHL on, you know, while on the penalty kill this season, or there's some regression to come. And I'm betting that there's going to be some regression to come and Zibanejad, Panarin and Kako coming in, you know, five and a half percent ownership on DraftKings. That's perfectly fine. I thought it was interesting. I was looking at, at our top stacks tool just now. The top three lines by ownership are all Rangers lines here tonight. There's no Vancouver line above 1.5% on DraftKings. That makes me a little bit nervous because Vancouver is a team, I don't care if it's a back-to-back, Vancouver is a team where a couple good power plays and they just break this slate wide open. So while I really do like the power play spot for the Rangers top line, I think there might be some ownership that's going to drive me towards Vancouver. One thing I should note is that Ilya Mikheyev on the top line for the Canucks, I saw a quote, I think it was yesterday from the coach saying Mikheyev's good, like, because Mikheyev returned from a long injury um, last week. And they said they kind of want to manage his, manage his minutes tonight. And he's not going to be playing on the penalty kill. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
Chumba. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And he's like one of their better penalty killers. So, I'm, again, I'm wondering if it's not a good spot for the Rangers' top line. But no ownership on Vancouver's really kind of enticing me here. I just feel like it's not a good power play spot for the Canucks. You know, the Rangers are only 3.1 times shorthanded per game. That's like a half power play less uh, than the league average. So they're not giving any opportunities to the opposition. The Rangers penalty kill has been good. They just need to get a few saves from whoever ends up in net. So um, I, I don't mind Vancouver here tonight. I think it would be a case where if I was 20 maxing, I would have like maybe one or two Canucks top lines in my single entry. I still think it's the Rangers' top line that I like the best here. Second line, I think, is still certainly in play because Panarin, Hedl, and Lafreniere have been really, really good. I, I was looking at projections as well, um, the stochastic projections. Philip Hedl has a higher projection tonight than Chris Kreider, and Philip Hedl's not on the top power play unit. That's how much um, the projections think of that Rangers' second line. So I think the second line is certainly in play, but I think I want to take it, you know, kind of tin cup this thing against the Vancouver penalty kill and get Zibanejad and get Kreider uh, and then at Kako. Um, you know, if you want to, you know, throw Panarin uh, or Trocek or whatever to make it a true power play stack, I think that's fine. But it's the Rangers top line that I like here. But that ownership on Vancouver is making me a little nervous. Mika Zibanejad without a goal this season, he's due. That's a bad reason to play him. But um, serious question, are the Rangers good defensively? I'm not yeah. used to that. Yeah, they are. It's just, it, it's, it's weird. It's, it's going to be a matter of, can they score enough goals? Cause like we keep talking about it, the, the top line has been having some trouble scoring second line. Not at all. The second line has been really, really good offensively. It's just the top line. If that top line can like, I think they're at like 2.3 goals per 60 minutes over the last couple of years. If they can get up to like, even like 2.8 or 2.9, like be a, a little bit better than league average. Like this is a terrifying team. Rangers praise from Cliffy. I, I don't know what to do with that. I, I have to move on. I am going to play that moment over in my head for the next three hours. Not really. Vegas Golden Knights. Just don't do it while you're while you're by yourself in your bedroom or something like that. That'd be a little weird. I am never by myself in my bedroom with my three month old anymore. <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights with a three total heading into Los Angeles. The Kings have a three point one total. Both these teams are on a back to back. The Kings won five to four against Arizona last night. Did the King? The Kings won't confirm a goalie, but like Phoenix Copley played like five minutes last night and then got yanked. Talbot came in. Close the door. I I don't know if they go back to Talbot tonight. I I think they're going to go back to Copley, and he has been bad. Although last night, it really wasn't his fault. Like, the defensive lapses of those goals were egregious, but, like... See, the thing is, is, like, the Kings had been off since Tuesday, so they had Wednesday, Thursday off, and now it's a back-to-back, and then they have Sunday, Monday off. So, you know, Talbot might be fine to to go right back in. You know what I mean? That's yeah, true. Um, but Vegas top line, no ownership here. Kind of makes me a little nervous. They haven't been great at five on five, which, you know, for 18,100 back to back on the road, it does give me some pause. 
but there is a lot of ownership on the Kings. And you were telling me before the show that the Dino Kaliev Trevor Moore line, which is eleven thousand three hundred, by the way, they played more at five on five than than the Kopitar line and the Dubois line last night. They are the 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 most negatively leveraged Kings line tonight. I don't know if you need to full stack unless you're playing Boston, but like I do have some interest in the Kings here. But that Vegas top line at under 2% projected ownership is kind of piquing my interest. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if part of the way Vegas has looked is just not having Alex Petrangelo in the lineup. Like I know he get he has he might have a, a reputation as like a great de- defensive defenseman, but a big part of his game is he's a really good offensive defenseman. Can help move the puck. He can skate the puck out of the zone. Um, he can join the rush. All those types of things that make a line that can help make a line more dangerous because there's another option attacking. Um, there isn't much ownership uh, coming in on Vegas. Uh, I'll bring up top stacks again one last time. Uh, Eichel, Marshall, Barbashev, one point seven percent ownership expected on DraftKings here tonight. That is not a lot when you're um, it. It's on the road, but it's still Los Angeles. Like it's nothing. Like Los Angeles is good, but it's nothing like you know. It's not like you're going into Boston or anything like that. The Kings are basically bang on for time shorthanded per game. The problem is, is like Vegas isn't really drawing a ton of power plays. They're also really uh, right bang on league average. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think Vegas one is is in a perfectly good spot here tonight. Like I said, especially with Petrangelo back in the lineup because I think him being back. Like if you look at Vegas's numbers or Jack Eichel's numbers at five on five over the last couple of years with, with and without Alex Petrangelo, like goal scoring shot attempts, expected goals, everything goes up like 25% when they have Petrangelo there. So I, I genuinely think that's going to make a big difference uh, for that roster and in that lineup, but it is the Los Angeles side that I kind of like here. It's the Dubois Fiala Laferriere line. And I do that because one thing I mentioned in that picks article, I'll mention that one final time here uh, on this show, is going back to last year, since Mark Stone returned from injury in the playoffs, that line's just been bad defensively. Like, there's just no um, kind – there's really no other way to kind of describe it. Um, I mentioned Pierre-Luc Dubois in that article, and what I wrote about um, – what I wrote about Vegas – is with Stone on the ice, 2.8 expected goals, 2.9 actual goals against the 5-on-5 in the playoffs. Like, okay, that's those the playoffs. That's bad. That or you face, you know, good teams. You don't face bad ones. But so far this season, 3.3 expected goals against per 60 minutes with Stone and Chandler Stevenson on the ice. Um, it's the goaltending that's kind of bailed them out. I think it's a pretty good matchup for that Dubois line. And if you do look, you know, if those top stacks um, – the Dubois line has the highest top two percentage. If you want to leave off Laferriere and add one of the power play forwards like Kempe or, or Kopitar or whatever, that's fine. But Laferriere is shooting quite a bit. And at his price, he, you know, a couple shots and an assist. And that's basically all you really need in a GPP. So I do like Fiala Dubois and Laferriere. Um, the last thing I'll mention about the Kings is Dubois is tied with Austin Matthews in individual expected goals per 60 minutes so far this season, like top five in the league. It is absolutely crazy. I I mean, you have to give props to Kevin Fiala here. I think Kevin Fiala is probably the most underrated offensive player in the league. Um, But Pierre-Luc Dubois is really generating a lot of good quality looks. 
in one game where, you know, where you get the right bounces or something like that. And they're just absolutely going to fill the net. Um, in a decent second line matchup against Vegas, I do like the Kings second line. So it's Vegas one, Los Angeles two for me in this one. Yeah, we uh, used up our fairy dust on Kopitar and Kempe last night and Byfield. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you here. Um, this is a fun slate. I have I usually when I come on these shows, I'm like, I have a pretty good idea what I'm going to do. And then we talk through it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I have no clue what I'm doing with my lineup tonight. So that that that's a good slate. Coming up after us, NBA Live Before Lock with our pal and yours, Emac and Neil. So if you are playing NBA tonight, tune in for that. Let's talk a little bit about defensemen. Highest priced defenseman on the slate, Roman Yossi, Jake Earmuffs. Seven games this season has yet to eclipse 17 fantasy points. I, I, I just don't know what to do. Like, it's coming eventually. I wonder if the if Brunette's system is a little wonky for him or whatever it is. I don't want to, you know, speculate. But I mean, it's a couple things, right? He's getting a minute and a half less per game is one thing. So, like, he's playing, like, like not quite Shea Theodore minutes. But, you know, for a guy that's a couple years ago was at, like, 25 and a half minutes to be down near 23 and a half minutes, that's a substantial loss, especially for a guy where shots and blocks are a big part of his uh, – DFS profile. Yeah. And then you look at the other top end options. Alex Petrangelo came back yesterday and played almost 25 minutes. So you'd expect him to play big minutes again tonight. Mike Matheson is, is fun for me. Uh, Zach Wierenski, I don't mind. Noah Dobson still too cheap for me at 6,000. Uh, Shea Theodore, I think he can still play. Uh, some cheap Ottawa guys. Who else are you liking in the mid range? I mean, Quinn Hughes, like I made a joke about it earlier on Twitter, but the guy's priced less than Chris Letang. And, you know, I like Chris Letang, but he's not on Pittsburgh's top power play unit. He's not shooting the puck and he's not blocking a lot. Like, like Quinn Hughes, I, I think he's up to 24 shots in seven games or whatever it is. Um, already has three goals, scored twice last night. 25. There we go. Um, Jacob Chikrin, like when – um, when Brandstrom got hurt the other night, Chickren played 28 minutes. <laughs> I they have three basically AHLers in the lineup for Ottawa on the blue line here tonight. Now that I say that out loud, maybe I should be playing Pittsburgh. Um, like Chickren's probably going to play north of 25 minutes here tonight, and he's a great peripheral guy. So I like Chickren. I mean, same thing with Jake Sanderson. He runs the top power play unit. I think Truba's in play. I'm worried about that kind of turning into a sludge fest where he doesn't really generate all the shots and blocks that he normally does, but I don't mind Truba. Yeah, uh, a pair of uh, $2,500 guys, uh, Carson Soucy and Jacob Bernard Docker. Like, of the three non-usual Ottawa defensemen in the lineup, I think it's Bernard Docker that's probably going to play the most minutes out of them. I think Jonathan Kovacevic as well uh, for Montreal. He's 2700 His expected goals per minute as a defenseman are right up there with guys like Eric Carlson and Victor Hedman so far this season. He's just, he's just has to get a little bit lucky with his shooting percentages. So if you need a super cheap defenseman, don't mind Kovacevic for a little bit more expensive guys, uh, Adam Pellick, Matt Roy, Ryan Graves, Ryan McDonough, um, are four guys in that three, four K range. I'm looking at. I'll just add Alex, uh, Carrier at 3,900. Uh, he's had nine shots on goal 
the past four games, and he has 26 block shots in seven games this season. And he's going to be facing the Matthews line. So he, he flirted with a combo meal the past two games. And the good thing about him, he's 3,900. He's been playing 20 minutes a night. So, like, while Yossi's minutes have gone down, Carrier's minutes have gone up. Let's talk about those alien freaks in between the pipes. You want to play some 8,400 Samson off tonight there, big guy? That feels like, <laughs> I mean, I say that feels like one of the worst plays on the entire slate. And like, he's going to, you just know he's going to get a 32 safe shutout or something ridiculous like that. That's the way, that's just the way hockey goes. Yeah. I mean, there's no such thing as a bad goalie play. If you like it, just throw him in there. I think the one that stands out, well, doesn't really stand out. Like nothing really stands out. Some of the cheaper options that I kind of like, like I like Winnipeg and I like Jake Allen. Um, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? Like you can play Winnipeg in one of your lives, play Jake Allen another one. You can play him in the both. I wouldn't do that on this slate, but if it's a bit shorter, like Jake Allen may see 40 shots tonight. So Jonas Corpusal is going to see a boatload of rubber tonight. Uh, volume is king. Anyone else you like him? I mean, I wrote up Merzlikens in the picks article um, for Columbus. Uh, we'll see if he starts because Spencer Martin was the first goalie off for Columbus um, at their morning skate. So we'll have to see at warmups. Um, the, other, the other guy I'll mention is Billy Huso. For me, for Detroit to win that game tonight, it's not going to be a 7-5 game. Like, I feel pretty confident saying that. So if Detroit wins that game tonight, it's probably because Huso allows, you know, one, maybe two goals. Uh, and then Detroit can pull something out in overtime or, or whatever. So I don't mind Huso. Um, that's basically it. I think I'm going to uh, – my goalie tonight will probably be $7,600 or less. Yeah, I mean, if you're spending up, I think Igor makes sense at 8100 Don't mind Verlamov at 8100 as well. Like – you want to go Yari. I know a lot of people like going Yari. I think that's fine. But, like, I don't really want to – Like, I guess Allmark makes sense at 8,500. Like, I just – you need a shutout there. If I mean, if, if I if I make a lineup and I have 85 yeah. left over, like, I don't have no problem playing him. But he's not going to be the first guy in my lineup. Yeah, I played Demko last night, and that was the first time all season I played a goalie 8,000 or higher. Oh, see, I, I did that with Georgiev, and I, that was the that was the game Colorado got shut out for nothing. So last time I'll be doing that. I five, yeah. Uh, who are you liking for your hat trick pick? Um, I'm gonna say that uh, the top line kind of busts out of their slump a little bit, and I'm gonna go with Mr. Bowie Horvat. Now, do I go Homer or do I go Spicy? Because oh, it's it's gonna be the same thing if I go Homer Spicy, but I'm gonna go Alexis Lafreniere. Ooh, I like that. I, I'm kind of excited to see watch that game tonight. It's been a long time since I've said that about a Canucks game. And you're willingly watching a Rangers game. I mean, it don't, only until the third period. We got some esports to watch in the middle of the night tonight. So, man, Mr. G winning with a Josh stack. Cliffy giving Rangers some praise. Good things come in threes. I don't know oh, what the third thing's going to be. Well, here's a good third thing. And, you know, Halloween's on Tuesday. Um, got any uh, Halloween movie recommendations for any of the viewers? That's just something I wanted to bring up real quick. I'll just, like, while you think about it for a sec. Three, for a classic, for a true classic, I think it's got to be The Shining. Like, if you haven't seen The Shining, you should probably go watch The Shining. Um, for something a little bit newer, I think The Babadook from, like, 10 years ago or 8 years ago, that's one of the best horror movies, like, I've ever seen in my life. And I, 
I'm like, I'm just blown away by it. I might watch that again here tonight after all the games are done. Um, last one I'll mention. I watched Hell, Hell, Hell Oh, go ahead. No, sorry. Hell House. It's called Hell House LLC. I think it's on Amazon. Um, it's kind of like one of those found footage things. I usually hate those movies since the Blair Witch, but this one was actually really well done. And I think if you're just looking for a really good little 90 minute scare, that's that's the one I would recommend. Yeah, before we get to my Halloween movies, Clayton says trashing the coach with the sick wife X's out all of your good karma. Forgot about that already. Um, my <laughs> He's bad. He's not wrong. He's not. Yeah, but you know, I am who I am. Uh, I'm not a huge horror genre fan. Um, one of my favorite uh, Halloween type ish movies is um, the original Saw. Yeah. That's a great movie. And then there's, oh, what was it? They remade that house movie. Oh, what was it? Was it with Ryan Reynolds? No. Oh, Amityville Horror. Yeah. yeah. They, they remade Amityville Horror. That movie was really, really good. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll agree with, I'll sign off on both of those as well. Yeah. So I just took a peek at the schedule next week because there, there's only two games on Halloween. I didn't realize that. So we'll be back on Monday for a nine game slate. And Wednesday for four games late, but Tuesday has two games. I guess we're doing, uh, we're going to wear some costumes on Monday. So, um, yeah. So good luck, everybody, tonight. Make sure to smash that like button on the way out. There's 130 of you there, which is very good for Saturday. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to smash that like button. Helps us out bigly. And uh, if you want to sign up for premium, click that link in the description. Hop into the uh, Discord, Clayton. Will not only trash me some more, he'll give you the house rules. Uh, I'm excited for him to start watching Deadwood. If you haven't seen Deadwood, start watching Deadwood. And good luck, everybody, tonight. Good luck tonight, everyone. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more.